Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to uh, the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm I'm doing very well. Welcome back. Uh, we had a little bit of a mishap last week, unfortunately, uh, some technical issues. So we had to literally right on the on the cusp of of going live, we had to cancel. So our apologies to the audience and obviously to our our special guest this morning, who was very gracious in uh, rescheduling and and agreeing to come on this morning. So we're very excited to have her, and I'll introduce her in just a moment. And a little bit later on, you and I are going to dip into the no BS zone, and we're going to talk about some short game tips, see if we can help uh, some of our amateur uh, golfers out there dial in on that short game. So um, glad you could join us. Don't forget we're live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, when everything's working right, that is. Um, So we're grateful for you to be able to join us. And for some reason, if you're not able to tune in live uh, for some of the shows, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf and just scroll down to the on-demand section and all of the shows including today's uh, are there in the recorded version uh, each and every week so you can always go back and listen to them there all right i'm going to introduce uh, this morning's guest and then cindy will bring her on of course it she is the winner of the epson tours uh tour championship this year uh, her name is austin kim she's actually been on the show before back in june uh she's from saint augustine florida and played uh, collegiate golf at Vanderbilt University and said she pursued golf because of her dad and sister who also played on the Epson Tour. Uh, Some of her hobbies include watching movies, playing video games, listening to music, and reading. Uh, She says her favorite book was Fahrenheit 451, uh, Bradbury. And she said if she wasn't a professional golfer that you might find her hitting the books in law school. Um, She closed out, as I mentioned, the season by winning the Epson Tour Championship, which helped finish third place for the race for the card. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Austin Kim. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. Thank you so much for having me again. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, (laughs) congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. Can you tell she's one of my faves? Uh Uh-huh. No, it's good. Well, she was, as I mentioned, Cindy, she was back, she was here on June, uh, I think it was the 27th she came on, and I remember talking with her, and, you know, she was trying to get that first win under her belt, and here she did. She closed out the season, so 
Uh, again, congratulations on, on doing it. And the Tour Championship, I know, is tough at the end of the year to, to really, especially when you're, you know, you're under pressure to try and get that win. And uh, I, I looked at the scores that you posted uh, throughout the, the event and uh, some nice, uh, nice golf. Uh, I'll tell you, she, she got it done, Cindy. She's a player. She's a superstar. I'm telling you, you got to watch out for this girl. I couldn't agree more. Cindy, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Plus, she's got the greatest voice in the world. Listen to this voice. She, she, she should be on radio all the time. I agree. Yes, yeah, she does. She has all a great right. voice. Cindy, so what did you, you go do ahead. for fun to celebrate? What did you do to celebrate? So the tournament was uh, in Daytona, uh, very, very close to home. Uh, we had the card ceremony. I celebrated with the other girls. And uh, at, at that point, I'd been on the road for a very long time. So uh, we had a nice dinner and just drove straight home, had a couple of drinks at home. And uh, it was pretty tame, but I was really happy to be back home with the dog and just being with my family and um, slept in the next morning. Well, there you go. That's really exciting. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Sometimes that's just the best way, just to take a chill pill and sit back and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Agreed. Agreed. That's like going deep, girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah, the the last three days, um, it worked out pretty well. I just wasn't really focused on you know, forcing it, it just, it just happened. And I'm I'm really glad that it did. So I get confused. I won the LPGA national teaching championship. It, this was at LPGA international, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yes, it so was. It was one? at the, it was at the Jones course. Okay. Which one is that? The wide open one or the one back in the woods? The wide open one. <laughs> Okay, well, it's not that wide open, but what what the heck is with the last round? You went par, birdie, 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 birdie. 29? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the, the, night before, <laughs> the, the night before, the night before, I was sitting two shots back, and I knew that it was, it was an important round. I knew that, you know, I, need, I needed a, a good finish in order to have a chance uh, for the, uh, for a card at the end of the year. And, um, you know, I I was telling myself that there's a chance that I can come out of the gate really hot. And there's also a chance that it'll be, you know, it might be kind of cold and I'll really have to work for it later on in the round. But uh, I told, I also told myself whatever happens happens. And if it's great, then that's great. And if it's not, then that's okay. And uh, I, I started the started the round really hot, and I just tried to keep it going as long as I could. And uh, once that streak ended, I knew that, you know, it'll, it, it wouldn't come as easy, but I also had to keep my feet on the gas pedal. So uh, I just tried my best, and it worked out in the end. Well, yeah, it sure did. And we birdied 18. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and you won by yeah. two. 
Yeah, yeah, it was um it worked out very well. I I'm, I'm very happy to very happy to repeat that line over and over again. It worked out very well. Um but it was a uh, it was a lot of stress, probably the most stress that I've ever been under. Uh the most nervous I've ever been. Uh it, what time did you tee off because you shot so well I'm assuming you weren't in the last group or two I was in the second to last group oh okay yeah so that was that was was around nine o'clock okay the girl that finished second was she playing with you yes she was also in my group oh okay and the girl Kaylee she was in the last group Okay. Goody, goody. So be it. And this pushed you up to finish third in the race for the card. Where did you sit before this event? I was sitting 15th, I believe. Oh, so we needed to do this. Yep. (laughs) Yep. How many people did you push out of this? I believe uh, it was me and another girl who jumped up, um, me and Kristen Gilman. Kristen Gilman and I jumped up into the top ten, so I am pretty sure we pushed two girls out. That's the way it works, though. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, it is. Every shot makes somebody happy. Why not let it be you? Right? That's a saying in exactly. our house. Let yeah. your clubs talking, and then every shot makes someone happy. We have one of our students at stage two right this minute. She peed off at 8.12. So you never, ever, ever give up. Pat, I'm going to let you talk now. Wow. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. I was uh, actually uh, reading a good book. I was reading Fahrenheit 451 while I was waiting for it. No, I'm only kidding. Um, so let me let me uh, yeah I'm here. Uh, so Austin, let me ask you just to sort of piggyback on what Cindy was asking. Okay, so you got into third place. This moved you up into third place for the race for the card. Does this now give you? Because I can't remember how this exactly works for you guys. Um, does this give you full status next year on the LPGA? It's it's pretty good status. Yep, I'm 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 pretty sure that it's full. Uh, it's I mean, it's I I believe it's right below the top eighty in terms of the priority list. So um, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to a full season. Very good. So you were saying to me off air, and I want you to repeat it because I thought this was such a great analogy. I was Cindy. I I, I watched a little snippet of a video before we went live of an interview at the Tour Championship this year with Austin and I don't know who the young lady was that was interviewing her, but uh, somebody obviously from Epson and there was um, a comment that was made about um, a goldfish and Austin, I want you to explain uh, briefly a little bit about that story. Cause I thought this was such a great analogy uh, for people. So go ahead and explain what you were telling me. Yeah, for sure. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the show Ted Lasso and it's about a coach um, a football coach, an American football coach who goes across the pond to coach uh, soccer in England, so their version of football. And he is, 
he's coaching a player who's struggling on his team, and uh, he he asks his player, "What's the happiest animal in the world?" The player doesn't know, and coach responds, "It's a goldfish because it has a five-second memory." And um, I mean, after after I watched that scene from the show, it just you know, it, it applies to any sport, but it also applies to life too. It's a great lesson where, um, you know, you'll, you'll have bad shots, you'll have bad moments, but the best thing to do is, you know, be a goldfish, have that five second memory, uh, accept and acknowledge it, but also move on from it and know that you can try your best and do better. I think that was such a great, yeah, Cindy, I mean, that's such a great, you know, we, you and I have talked about this, about how, you know, we've joked a little bit too about people sort of dragging that baggage of bad shots, bad rounds into their game. This is so profound that this, this example that, that she's just mentioned, because, you know, you have to sort of abide by that if you want to, be, especially at this level of player, um, if you want to be successful on any tour, uh, or any sport or anything, as you pointed out, Austin, in life, you've got to be willing to leave things in the past and not, you know, sit and dwell and think about that. Otherwise, it's just going to lock you up and freeze you. So when you saw that, Austin, and I want to apply this to you now, um, do you feel that you live that in, in your life now? Do you, do you think that when you're out in the golf, or have you always kind of been that way? Um, how do you handle yourself when you get in that situation? Do you think like a goldfish when you're out there, or um, do you still occasionally struggle a little bit? Right. I think anyone will struggle with it because golf is hard. And um, for me personally, I, I was I was not like that growing up, and it, it's taken a lot of work to get to this point. I can even tell you a couple of months ago I, w- I wasn't at this point for sure. And it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of belief in yourself. And it also takes a lot of confidence to know that you have the skill and the shots and the ability to make up for a mistake. But um, when I look back at the rounds that the last three rounds that I played during the tour championship, I mean, the scores that I shot were, were undoubtedly really, really good. But also I hit some shots that, were not very good during those rounds. And um, I'm pretty proud of myself with how I dealt with those shots because um, I I definitely had a few that were not very good. And um, I just, I just knew in those moments that if I took those bad shots in stride and I started out the day knowing that bad shots would happen, it would be easier to accept and acknowledge those situations rather than pushing them away and getting really upset at myself. And once I was able to fully accept and acknowledge those situations, I was more equipped to move on from them and uh, really focus on the next ones and try to get those next ones even better than the last. I think that's such a great, great example. And you're, you're exactly right. You know, you have to be able to, um, position whenever you're faced with it. And, and, and the truth of the matter is we're all human. We're going to make mistakes and, and you're, you're right to sort of uh, preface that and say, you know, I know there's going to be some bad shots out there, but that's okay. And, and I know how to handle them uh, better now than I did even just a few months ago, but you have to, 
you know, you, you have to expect it's going to happen. I don't care what level of player you are. It's, it is going to happen to everybody. The best players in the world have had it happen. But it's how they handle it is, is really the key. And it sounds like you're on a, a great path. And I like, as I said, I like that little goldfish analogy. I think that's a good one for, for those listening to the show that, that have that five-second rule. Uh, everybody has to practice. Um, tell us a little bit about your practice sessions. And I'm not talking just a warm-up before around, but when you get into a full-blown practice session, typically how long does it last and what specifically do you work on? Yeah, uh, when I was traveling on the road this past year, it it definitely took a couple of hours. Um, it just really depended on my schedule, if I was playing in a program or not, if I was playing practice round or not, but um, typically it would take anywhere from three to five hours if I was just practicing on a normal day, if not a little bit longer, but um, I'd make sure to go through everything, short game, putting, long game, short game, just practicing the technique. I, I think across the board, practicing technique, getting my fundamentals solid before I move around and uh, practice more intense or uh, pressure-filled situations or just trying to mimic uh, situations that I'd face on the course. And then when I'm at the range, I'd, of course, start again with the fundamentals, lining up, making sure that all my lines and setup is good. And once I feel a little bit more solid with that, then moving on to target-based practice, getting my – or double-checking my yardages and making sure that I'm stepping out and stepping back in just to practice the setup and uh, how long it takes me to set up and just feeling or uh, mimicking those situations on the course again. Yeah, it's so important to, uh, you know, to develop that routine um, and be able to stick with it. And, you know, you find a lot of amateurs will try something, and if it doesn't work, they'll change it up mid-round, um, sometimes from hole to hole. And you can't do that at your level because otherwise you just you'd collapse. Um, so that brings me to this, this next question, and then, Cindy, I'm going to throw it back to you. Um, advice you'd give a pro-am partner if you were catting for them, what would you say to them? I think having something repeatable and something as monotone as possible would be ideal at that level. Uh, to clarify, having a process or a routine that just works for them and not changing any variables or uh, making it inconsistent. Uh, the thing that really helps with us uh, at this level is having something that we can rely on, especially when there are nerves having something that's repeatable and knowing what you're doing, what exactly comes at this time and this time, just just having something that you can do over and over again so that um, you have something to rely on every single time you're playing. You know, that's some great advice. And I think even in a case, Austin, if they hit a bad shot, you know, maybe they hit their shot fast, and that prompts them a lot of times to change things up. And if I understood what you just said is you stick with that process. Even if you hit a bad shot or even a couple of bad shots, 
still stick with the process that works because, again, you're, as you pointed out earlier, you're going to have some bad shots along the way. But stick with what works. And then if you want to tweak some things maybe after round just to, to, to sort of shore them up, that's okay. But stick with the process during that round. Is that what I heard you say? Exactly. Very smart. I like that. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I um, I love what you just said about the way you practice. I would like to know when you became so focused and serious about mimicking what you do in a tournament while you practice. And I'm asking this <clears throat> for the junior golfers that we teach who say they want to play college golf, who rake and hit golf balls or mimic what they do, want to do on the golf course. What would you say to someone who doesn't have a pre-shot routine or really focus on when they play or practice, and then they get upset when they shoot or play bad. Mm, gotcha. That's a that's a big lesson that I've learned the past year, or it's a two pronged lesson uh, for me. Uh, I wasn't a big um, let's call it a mimicker or uh, I, I wasn't big into uh, those situations when I was in college. Uh, when I was in college, I just practice and then go out and play as often as I could. And now, now that my golf career looks a little bit different, that I'm basically on the course every single day. I found that if I don't, if I don't mimic those situations on the range, I'd find myself having a bit of a tougher time settling into my, my routine uh, earlier on in the week. And I've also found that getting onto the course and practicing your setup or your routine or your process or what, ha- what have you on the course, uh, I've, I've found that being on the course and being in those situations, whether you're practicing like uh, for a practice round or playing an actual round for score in a tournament, I found that um, being on the course really reveals your weaknesses and what you can work on. And it's interesting how, you know, if you're, even if you're playing in a tournament or just playing around with friends, how any, any bit of pressure or any bit of something mattering can really um, affect your body and your mental state. So that has been really eye-opening for me. And it just, uh, it just really leaves an impact on my game and, you know, how, or, or on my outlook of my game this past year, where if something feels good on the range or, the short game area or the putting green, uh, if I take it out onto the course, it might translate into a different feel or something different that I want to focus on. So um, I, I've really felt like the course has been really valuable in providing feedback for a feel or uh, a swing thought, and it just uh, changes into something that 
you know, I want to do even better. That's awesome. What would you tell someone who's between the ages of 12 and 16 who says they want to play college golf and possibly turn pro later? What's the biggest lesson that you have learned in those years that has helped you become who you are now? I would say that golf is a very challenging sport, but it's also, it also requires hard work not to be, um, not to be put off by the challenge that it brings up because there are a lot of other people who are working hard who have the, who have the same goal that you just mentioned to play in college, to, to go pro. And I think a lot of kids nowadays understand that, that it takes, hard work. It takes a lot of perseverance, but you got to be doing the right things. You got to be working hard the right way. And the right way looks different for everyone. I know my, my hard work, my correct hard work is different from another pro's correct hard work, but um, it's about finding what works for you you know, um, understanding what parts of your game need work. And for me growing up, I, I wish I could go back to my younger self and tell her that she could have worked a little bit harder on her mental game and her and her short game. But um, it's all about learning those lessons as you go, as you keep moving along your journey. Just being really honest with yourself. Every single day you have to ask yourself, how can I how can I get better? What can I work on in order to improve today and uh, in the long run? And just knowing that if you work every single day, if you improve incrementally every day, it eventually leads to big gains over time. Thank you. Hi. Some very good advice. Um, you know, it. it's obviously – um, Austin, as, as I'm sure you can attest to, and as Cindy has mentioned, it's, it's extremely challenging doing what you do for a living. And it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, dedication and willingness to uh, go through at times some very difficult times. And you've had to you know, rise uh, above those challenges and uh, to get to where you are. And I think as I concur with what Cindy said in the very beginning of the show, is that you're going to be, a, um, and I'm paraphrasing, a, a force to be reckoned with um, out on the LPGA. I think you've got a good, you know, I, I, Cindy, and I know we, we've talked about similar things before, but, you know, when I hear Austin talk and listen to um, her explanations and her answers to the questions, um, what I hear above all is a lot of confidence in, and um, belief in herself. And you have to have that in any part of life, but uh, especially in a, in a situation like this at an, uh, an elite level of play, you have to be able to have confidence. And that doesn't mean arrogance or, or a cockiness or anything. You just have to have confidence in your abilities. And um, obviously that uh, win that you got uh, just a couple of weeks ago has certainly helped you do that. Um, you mentioned that you're taking a little time off right now. What are you doing at home? 
Uh, I know you're chilling, but what are, what are you going to do in the next few weeks? And um, are you going to start preparing for next season? Have you got any um, tournaments or anything that you're going to be playing in um, before uh, January 1? Yeah, so I've, I've been spending a lot of time with family the last couple or the last week. Uh, it's felt like an eternity, not touching the clubs, which in a way is good and bad. Um, I miss it. But uh, I'm I'm playing in a Monday queue in November. I'm playing in the uh, the qualifying round for the Annika. It's down in Tampa. So I'm probably mm-hmm. going to start prepping for that very soon. Um, after that, I don't have another tournament until January. So it'll be a nice break after that round. And I'm just trying to get as much rest and recoup as much as possible before uh, another demanding season starts. Yes, and uh, I think that's some very wise advice uh, to give yourself. So let me ask you something. Obviously, um, you've got a nice check uh, for winning the Epson Tour Championship. I know you're going to put uh, a lot of that away to help uh, for next season. Um, are you going to treat yourself or have you treated yourself to just maybe a little something to say, Hey Austin, this was a great season, and I'm just going to buy you this little little uh, trinket here, if you will, um, to treat yourself for for a job well done. Or are you still thinking? I'm still thinking. I um, I mean, <laughs> I've been eyeing a this this might sound funny, but I've I've been eyeing a I've been eyeing a Lego set, and um, I've just been trying to save as much as I can. I know that. It's also not cheap traveling, so um, I've just been, you know, trying to eat well, and I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally buy some good meals for me and my family, but that's about it. Well, I think that's good. It's nice to be, I think, humble. Um, I think some people might go a little crazy with, with the purchasing, and it's nice to know that you're uh, pretty down to earth, and I think that's going to serve you well in the long run. You've got a lot of uh, a lot of um, events to play next season. I know you want to do well, and you're going to need some of that money to help get you through it. So, um, But, um, right. Austin, congratulations again on uh, closing out a fantastic Epson Tour season and uh, much continued success in the LPGA uh, next season. And I uh, hope you come back and, and visit. I hope you win a lot of tournaments next season, and I hope you come back and share some of the stories with us. Thank you so much, Ted. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming on. Great job. Good luck. Rest well and make lots of birdies. Thank you so much, Cindy. I'll try my best. All right. Thanks, Austin. Bye-bye. What a great young lady. Right, Cindy? She's awesome. Just, just um, love her. Just, yeah. Not, did, didn't you meet her? If memory serves me correct, didn't were you up or near an event or something, or did you or you had already met her before? Just awesome. No. Just well, awesome. You're going to have to make a point of uh, of, of doing that. Uh, she's just a, you know, she's just a, you hear, and and I don't like to make light of of you know uh, anybody, but. Um, you know, we've had a lot of guests on here, and some just really stick out more than others. And that's again, no, no disrespect to any of the others, but just their personalities and again, their confidence. And 
And uh, she's one of the ones that we'll certainly remember uh, for a long time that's been on the show. She just uh, really just gets out there and, and does everything that she can to make things happen and doesn't seem to let things get her down and just uh, exudes a lot of confidence. But um, glad to have her on. Glad that she was able to reschedule from last week. And um, just, yeah, I think she's going to do very well. It's going to be interesting to watch her next season. I think we're going to see her name up in the leaderboard uh, quite a bit next year. But, all right, we're going to take a very fast break, and then you and I, Cindy, are going to dip into the no BS zone. We're going to talk about some short game tips, hopefully to help some of the listeners out there. Be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And as I mentioned, Cindy and I are going to, uh, well, actually, we're going to leap into the no BS zone and we're going to talk about some short game tips. And Cindy, uh, some of these I'm going to frame in a, in a question. Um, and I, I want to get your thoughts. The first one is when we hear this, um, I think a lot with our amateur golfers, but um, why is my short game so bad? You know, we often hear a lot of players, I know you've, I mean, let's let's just cut right to the chase. Why is my short game so bad? What are your thoughts? Because you don't practice. <laughs> oh, boy. Duh. I mean, let let's get it right out of the gate. Well, and 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 I think what it is too. I mean, obviously, I'm just having some fun, but I think what it is. Number one, you're right. They don't practice enough. But I think more importantly, when they do practice they're not practicing correctly. They think they're doing the right thing. You know, maybe they've watched some videos, maybe they've listened to their coach or their instructor a little bit, but they're not really putting um, what they've learned to practice or into practice. They're, you know, as you pointed out earlier, is they're sort of raking and hitting balls and that. So um, I think if, if you were going to give advice to a student to sort of give them the biggest bang for their buck, on, on how to become better at their short game. What would be some, some suggestions that you'd make? I would play games while you practice. I would try to uh, just, you know, get the ball up and down. Don't just rake and hit, rake and hit. I would give yourself, mimic playing the game, just like Austin just said. You know, chip a ball up by the hole and walk up and put it in. That's what I would do, because we don't yep, do that I, enough. And I'm guilty of that I, as well. Yeah, we're all guilty. I'll tell you what I um, have done a lot, and it might seem like a very simple thing to do, um, and this goes to this rake and hit uh, analogy that, that we hear about so often, is, you know, depending on what course, I mean, some courses have little you know, buckets of balls, others have, you know, they make a little pyramid or whatever. Um, if I see somebody that tips over their bucket and, you know, the golf balls roll out and they just start pulling them across, I will actually scoop them up, put them back in the bucket, and I'll say, here's what I want you to do. 
for every shot that you're going to hit, I want you to reach in, grab a ball, set it down like you were on a, on a tee or on the fairway, whatever the shot that you're going to imagine playing, I want you to take each golf ball and do that. And, and what it does, and it seems so simple, but what it does, it forces them to select a golf ball. And I said, you can't just chuck it on the ground. You can't throw it. You've got to place it down like you would if you were on a tee shot or if you were on you know, a fairway. You, you put it in a position. Obviously, you can't pick it up uh, and just put it in the middle of the fairway. But you imagine that's what you, you know, what, what's happening. And it's amazing because it puts them in a rhythm and it helps them prepare like they would for their pre-shot routine. Because when, when you, I see so many times, I'm sure you've seen it a thousand times at least, when they start tipping those buckets over on the range, you know what they're gearing up to do. They're just raking, hitting, raking, hitting. But when they actually have to, to do something um, and actually pull that an individual golf ball out and then prepare themselves, it, it, believe it or not, I found it over time. It's not easy at first, but it changes their mindset a little bit to get out of that. What do you think? I agree. Totally agree. You are right on the money. You know, totally agree. So many amateur golfers get into bad habits, and that's one of them. It seems so very, very simple, and a lot of them are simple. But if you can break yourself of those bad habits, um, you're going to be well. So I'm going to give you some other things. We're going as we move along here. Obviously, uh, Austin has a whole different routine when she gets into practice. But if you were to sort of sum it up, and again, everybody's time restraints are different. Not everybody can afford to to spend as much time. But typically, um, when you're working with your students, Cindy, how often, how much or often should they be practicing their short game, say, in in a week? On their schedule, of course, needless to say. Right. But, you know, if you – in the winter, if you can go to the dome, you know, if you have a dome or to the driving range, I would do it, you know, two, three, four days a week if you can, even if it's mm-hmm. for 30 minutes. Just go right. and play some games. Chip it up. Yep. Take three balls. Do one shot, walk up and knock it in the hole. What do you suggest? I agree. I think there's there's no, and I'm going to wrap this next question into this answer, um, and that is how can I improve my short game at home? You know, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, the closest range or the closest practice is 45 minutes away, and, you know, by the time I go there, another 30 minutes, you know, now you're talking a couple of hours round trip, and not everybody can do that. Uh, maybe they can do it once a week, but do it two or three times. But there are a lot of ways that you can practice your short game at home. If you've got a backyard, for instance, now in the wintertime, obviously things are a little bit different. Um, but you can practice your putting. You can practice, um, you know, if you've got a, a full-length mirror, you can get a club. Now, you may not be in a position that you can swing or hit balls, but you can practice um, getting set up correctly. If you're, you know, using, uh, you know, if you want to mimic a chip shot, that you might look and see how you need to make sure you're setting up properly. First off, you want to make sure you're doing everything properly. So that's something you need to work with if you're, you're teaching pro or your coach, if you're a little bit more advanced. But you want to get into that. And then when you get out to the range, then you practice those things that you've been working on at home. So there's no excuse. And, and there's other things that you can do that, that help your short game. You know, a lot of people get slumped over. Their posture is really bad. They don't even know that because they can't see themselves on the range. 
So there's things that you can do at home if you're not able to make it to to the range or in your case, Cindy, um, you've got a dome up in Buffalo, New York. That's a great facility that you can play all year round. Um, then you make do with what you have. But there's no excuse. You know, what's, what's rolling out now um, in the next you know, few months is what we call the couch potato. Uh, and that's the person that's been playing all summer. Maybe they've practiced quite a bit. They've been playing pretty good. Um, maybe they don't have the opportunity to head south for the winter. So they're going to plop themselves down. They've got the remote in the hand. And they're going to maybe watch some golf or watch some football or whatever else that, that you know, uh, turns them on. And they sit there for three, four months. Then they come back out next season and have to start all over again. You cannot do that. If you want to improve and become a better player, you can. Totally agree. But it depends on their schedule. You know, again, what's your commitment level and what's your schedule look like? And are you committed to you know, create the time to work on your game. That's what it all boils down to. And if you're not, then you have you have not earned the right to complain about it. That's yeah, and and, and, and again, yeah, the time the time constraints are, are a big one. Obviously, people have a lot of things. You know, especially um, you know even uh, older folks who have grandchildren that they want to spend more time with their grandchildren, so they're maybe playing less golf. And, and I get that. Um, but like you said, if, you know, if you're going to sit and gripe and complain and grumble because you're not playing or you actually, in some cases, people are even stepping away at times for the game because they're frustrated because they're not improving, but they don't want to do anything to improve. Um, and, you know, it, it's a matter of learning and understanding. So something else I want to ask, um, you know, this is, a, I think, something that people get caught up in as well. And the question here is, should I change the club and not my swing? You know, Jack Nicholas famously talked about he had the same swing. Obviously, he was talking about full swing, um, but, you know, he had the same swing for every club. It just used a different club depending on what shot he was needing to make. So I think my answer to that, I'm going to start out first, is you change the club, not your swing. Even a short uh, swing, if you're just doing a little pitch shot or a, shit, uh, a chip shot, you know, it's essentially the same. It's just a mini version of the full swing the thoughts here it again it depends on your ability you know um i would let's pretend that you don't have you only have a sand wedge or a pitching wedge you don't have a gap wedge and you pitching wedge uh a hundred yards and you hit your sand wedge 60 yards, and you have a shot that, no, you hit your, yeah, you hit your, uh, let's say you hit your sand wedge 50 yards, and you have a shot that's 60 yards, so you need a gap wedge because you hit your pitching wedge 100 yards and you can't get there with your sand, so you're going to have to take your pitching wedge and grip down, Mm -hmm. right? So you can't change, you know, you're going to use your pitching wedge because you can't get there with your sand, but you're going to have to grip down on your pitching wedge and take a smaller swing because you don't have a gap. So, I mean, there's certain situations where you're going to have to improvise 
and change your swing with the club, or you're going to have to buy a gap wedge. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. And, and yeah, what, what I what I was getting at here though is, and, and you're, you're exactly right. There are going to be scenarios like that, um, but for the most part, you know, sometimes gripping down on a club uh, is, is might be all that's necessary, um, or clubbing up um, necessary, but. The whole purpose, and this is what really what Nicholas talked about in Golf My Way, his, his earlier uh, video, was that too many people try to create too many different swings in their game. And what ends oh, up God. happening is, oh. right, you, you know what I'm talking, and that's really what I was getting at, and, and uh, maybe I didn't uh, clarify it, but, you know, that's, that's the point that he was trying to make, is really every shot that he hits, it's essentially the same swing, it's just a shorter version. The only... Um, difference, and that was the, the constant in, in his game. What was different is he selected a different club. Now, obviously, he may choke down or he may and, – and, and again, I know I agree with what you're saying is, is if you need to have um, a gap wedge and you don't, you have to modify a club, but you're essentially you're changing the club. You're not really changing the swing. You are modifying it slightly, but you're not actually changing the overall swing. Um, and that's just something that he uh, always – you know, stuck with throughout his career and obviously, you know, 18 majors later. Um, another one too, and this really falls into the mental side of things, and that is to ch- uh, consider your options. Um, I'm a firm believer that if you're not a, if you're a high handicap player, you need to choose a less risky path. So if you're faced with, um, you know, a shot where you're going over water, maybe the pins cut very tight on the left side, um, and you've got a fat part of the green to the right of that pin, aim for the fat part of the green. Unless you're a very accomplished player, don't go for the pin, and don't even try to go close to the pin. So I think you have to look at your options, and you have to do what I call, and and, and this is where practicing on the range as opposed to just hitting and raking balls, is you need to develop a risk assessment of each shot. So know what your capabilities are, know how far you're hitting each of your clubs, but look at each shot and say, okay, what is the percentage of likelihood that I can pull this shot off? So if it's, let's say, and we talked about this one other time, but, you know, if, if it's over 50%, you know, the, the risk is a little bit less. If it's below 50%, um, it's obviously uh, a little bit more. And then you might even want to break it up into thirds. So if it's, you know, 35% and, and less, if, if the likelihood that you're going to hit that shot, then that's a no-go. Then you figure out another option. Um, play it safe, maybe find a layup area or what have you. So I think it's important that you assess the risk, know your limitations and your abilities, and then you need to make an informed decision based on that. And I think choosing or considering what your options are, and again, for a higher handicap player, choose a less risky pass. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, again, you're trying to avoid big numbers at all costs. And right. and I think that people understand the easiest way, you know, to learn to score is, you know, Alan has a thing that he, t- he talks about how to hit 18 greens and regulation. And people mm-hmm. are very surprised by the fact that he's just trying to hit the middle of the green. And right. that's how he played golf on the PGA Tour for 15 years. And they're like, oh, I never even thought of that, right? 
because everybody's trying to fire at pins. Well, when you try to fire at pins, you know, that's when you make double bogeys and triple bogeys because you bury it in bunkers and can't get out of them because you're right. making silly mistakes. So absolutely, I totally agree with that. Yeah, you have to you have to play smart and you have to play to your abilities. And, you know, if if you're unsure of your abilities, of what they truly are, uh, because you don't know how far you hit each club and you don't know um, – you, you don't keep stats. And that's where keeping stats, you know, people think, well, that's just for the pros. No, it's not. It's, it's important. And there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of um, uh, technology out there um, where that will assist in getting you the numbers that you need and getting the, the you know, and it's not just, you know, GPS. There's that too as well. But you need to know the distance that you hit each club, um, what the average uh, carry distance is, you also need to understand that um, how many putts, how many greens in regulation that you're making each time you go out and play. And you can jot those down. Again, there's technologies out there. There's a lot of great apps out there that can help you um, do that as well and put that together. And then you can actually look at a pie chart and, and you know, all the kinds of things. And there's a lot of great ways, too, where you can actually bring in your coach or your teacher professional um, that uses a, there's a lot of apps that pros use now that um, their students can actually take part in. So you can actually communicate with your coach in real time, uh, especially if you're a more advanced player and you're playing in a collegiate tournament or you're playing on the Epson tour or what have you, um, that you can coordinate that. And it's, it's a great way of really assessing your overall game, especially your short game. You know, uh, again, you're trying to really dial things in from 100 yards in and the only way you can do that is to understand where your weaknesses are. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not just all over the place. Um, there may be specific, you know, you know, Cindy, just an example, and I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but, you know, I know a lot of people who are pretty good chippers can pitch the ball pretty good versus they're really good putters, but they can't hit a, a decent chip shot or the pitch shots are always falling up short or going left or right or, or you know, in the bunker, what have you. Um, having those stats and information um, at your fingertips and then analyzing when you have some off time and looking at it and saying, okay, here's the areas that I really struggle with. That is going to in itself help you with your short game because it's going to focus on the areas that you really need to improve on. And, you know, if you're a, a lousy putter, well, then if you work on your putting in that, that can save several strokes in a, in a round. That can make the difference between breaking and not breaking 100 or 90 or 80, whatever the case is. Um, don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just if you started to make putts that, you know, two to four feet, it would definitely make a difference. So, again, if you really want to get better, and you have the courage to inspect your game, drop, I bet, three to six shots per round and make such a huge difference in your game. And now's the time, you know, depending on where you live, now's the time of year to do that. And it can make yeah. such a huge I think there's a, a few key things that will help people that I think if we were to sum this up, I think will help people. Um, number one, you have to, uh, again, depending on what you're, you know, if you just want to play once or twice a year, 
then you can just, you know, do whatever you want to do. But if you really want to become a better player, and that's not to say that you, you know, you have visions of, of grandeur and want to play on, on one of the tours. I don't mean it necessarily that way. Um, if that is your option, then obviously, um, hopefully you, you, you understand that you need to get some professional help. But um, if you just want to improve, there's some key things that you need to consider. Number one, you have to practice. You have to set aside some time that you can afford to set aside on a, uh, set aside, excuse me, on a regular basis that you're willing to commit. So what's, as you pointed out, what's your level of commitment? So you have to decide that first and foremost because the rest of it doesn't matter. Once you understand what that level of commitment is, then you can build from there. The other thing is you have to make sure that you're getting some help to make sure that the things that you are doing are being done correctly because you can keep doing the wrong thing a thousand times and never get better at it and wonder why. It's because you're not doing it. So you need to understand the techniques. You need to understand making sure you're gripping the club correctly, make sure you're lining the club face correctly uh, to your target and so forth, and you need to understand that. The only way you can do that is to visit your local golf professional and set up some lessons and get them to walk you through that. The other thing is you need to not make excuses. So if the snow is blowing and you can't make it even to the dome, there's some things that you could be working on at home. Um, putting, as I mentioned, uh, you know, getting in front of a mirror, just making sure, working on your grip. There's all kinds of things that you can be doing. Um, and then you have to put a game plan together. And the only way you can do that is by getting stats. So when you're playing through the season, record the stats. How many greens did you hit in regulation? How many putts are you making each hole? You know, uh, how many fairways did you hit with, you know, off the tee? That sort of thing. Keeping some good stats. Um, and you don't have to go to the extent that the pros do, but just keeping some general stats. And then you need to review that and then find where the areas that need the most improvement with, and then when you get back with your pro, then you can put together a good lesson plan that's going to help you uh, dial in on those things. So I think if you do that, some of those steps, maybe, Cindy, I don't know if there's any others that you can think of, I think you're going to be well on your way, especially with your short game, because that's the scoring part of your game. Everybody wants to hit it long and far off the tee. We all want to do that. That's great. That's you know, uh, wonderful. But the truth of the matter is the score happens really from about 125 yards in. What are your thoughts here? Anything you want to add or does that pretty much cover what we want to get across? That covers it. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head. Number one, do you care about getting better? If you do, we got to have stats and you got to look at them and then you can fix it. Exactly. And and really, a lot of this stuff can be done so easily. It, it's not really, you know, people, they hear these things and they think, oh, Lord, I got to, you know, I got to spend a lot. I don't have a lot of time. You're already driving around in, if you're riding in the golf cart, playing each hole. How hard is it to jot down how many putts you just made on the green or how many uh, greens in regulation, how many fairways. It's just a number. You write it on the scorecard, you jot it down, bring an extra little pad or something and make a note of that. Take that back. If you don't want to use some of the various technology apps and things that are out there, then just, you know, most people are pretty nowadays proficient with the computer. Whip up a little spreadsheet, put on, you know, today, October 17th, I played golf at blah, 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 blah. And, you know, put your numbers across and make notes of it. And then, you know, then you can look at it when it's convenient for you. Some Friday night, instead of watching some, you know, garbage television program, 
you can get out and look at some of these charts and look at what I need to do so that Saturday when you go out to the range or you go out to play, you're going to have an understanding where, where some of the weaknesses are. But you've got, to, you've got to be willing to make a level of commitment. And if you're not willing to do that, then I don't care how many videos you watch. I don't care you know, how many golf tournaments you watch. If you're not willing to put in some time and effort, you're not going to become a better player. And there's nothing you can buy. I don't care what anybody tells you. There's nothing you can buy. There's no magic sauce. There's no magic bean or anything. So you know what I'm talking about. You know, we, you, cannot, you cannot buy your game, pure and simple. You cannot buy your game. Now, you can buy options to help improve your game, but you have to still put in your part of it. So you can buy whatever training aids and things you want. You still have to put in some time and effort. Final thoughts. I don't have any. You hit every nail right on the head, right between the eyeballs. You got you know, and, it, baby. And I, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to get better with a short game, again, real quickly, commit to some go time. Practice. Go yeah. practice. Make sure that you're practicing with, with intent and with purpose. That you're, In other words, that you're doing things correctly. Really focus on, with the help of the stats that you've been gathering up through this season, Focus on the areas that you really need help. And if you're really unclear of that, that's when you need to go and visit your local golf professional and uh, get them to walk through that with you. And, and they'll put together a good game plan uh, for you for next season to prepare. And don't just sit on the couch flicking through Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever it is that you've got streaming on your television. Get out there and work on your game. There's no excuse. All right, my dear, I think we've covered it. Uh, again, a special thanks to our, our guest earlier, Austin Kim. Uh, we're working on getting some of the other players uh, that finished in the top 10 for Epson over the next few weeks. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, nail them in before they uh, get too far afield. But uh, we want to thank Austin for uh, joining us this morning, and congratulations again on her win at the Epson Tour Championship and moving on to the LPGA. And uh, on that note, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you. Always, Cindy. Always a great conversation. Always have a good time with you on the show. And God bless everybody. We'll see you next time on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.